Good morning, everybody. My name is Tim, and it's an honor to have you all with us today. And if you're a guest, we are so excited that uh, you decided to drop in and check us out, at least come by. Uh, good to be good to be together, church. Really good to be together. I got a couple of things I just want to mention. First, I know the ladies had their retreat last weekend here. Was it? I've heard nothing but good about it. And I, I, uh, someone asked, were they recorded those sessions? I don't think they were. But you can get, probably get with any of those speakers and they'll get with you and talk with you again about it if you like. Uh, also, in April, on the 9th, I believe we're having a work day here. And uh, I hope you can join us if you'd like to help out. We're going to be cleaning some things, getting some things ready for Easter, which will be uh, coming up here in just a f- few weeks. Can you believe that? It's almost time for Easter. We're in a series of... Um, uh, a series here. We're looking at the names of Jesus. We've been looking at several of them. There's almost like 200, a little over 200 names in the Bible about Jesus that some names folks gave him, some he referred to himself. And it's some of these that, that he, where he refers to himself, uh, give us special insight into the mind of Jesus and into what he's wanting, really wanting to do, his intent. And uh, I, what I noticed uh, as I was preparing this one, the Good Shepherd, because that's one thing he calls himself, I've, I've found all these verses in the Bible that mention the word shepherd, and a lot of them are in reference to Jesus Christ. In fact, most of the, most of the passages that talk about Jesus as a shepherd or talk about God being a shepherd, you're going to find in three prominent books. You're going to find in the book of Ezekiel. You're going to find a lot of passages in the book of Psalms and in John 10, where Jesus actually calls himself the good shepherd. Notice here in Psalms 100 up on your screen, the Bible compares God's people and and, and in a relationship with God to sheep and a shepherd. Look what it says here. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And here in Ezekiel 34, look what the Bible says here. It prophesies, I will give you a shepherd from the family of my servant David. All of you, both strong and weak, will have the same shepherd, and he will take care of you. And then in John 10, Jesus fulfills that very prophecy by claiming, I am the good shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. And it's Jesus that uses this popular trade amongst his day, uh, to come to to give a, a great idea of what a relationship with Jesus is like. Now I don't know how many of you grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm, and I I had some friends that were <clears throat> sheep herders. We called them, and I don't know that's you know in, in American heritage sheep herders were not very popular, and they weren't all that great even in the time of the Bible. A lot of a lot of people considered sheep herders uncouth, and they just didn't have the classic. Uh, or a desire to follow the word of God very closely. They were sloppy. They were dirty. And so uh, they were uh, not really respected all that well. In the United States, however, it's even worse. I mean, uh, there used to be battles and war, the sheep wars and the cattle wars back in the 1800s between uh, sheep herders and the cattle, cattlemen. Here, Jesus is using a, a very good uh, description of how what it's like to know Christ, and and everybody can relate to it. You know, here in the United States, um, sheep are not well; they're 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 in pens. How's that? They're kind of left to themselves. I was uh, 
in Medora yesterday. And I happened to, when I was in Medora, there was some sheep and they were in a pen. And I didn't see a shepherd anywhere to be found. Uh, in fact, uh, today they have what we call sheep dogs. If you've ever watched the movie Babe, and you've, you've watched that to where this guy, that'll do pig, that'll do, you know, and you got the, the sheep, the, the, the sheep dogs all are herding and, and it's Babe that learns the language of the sheep, you know, ba, ram, you, and, and teaches it to the sheep dogs. And today in America, there's lots of sheep dogs that do all the running around and, 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 and driving the sheep from one location to the next. But in the East, in the, in the Middle East, there's no sheep dog. In fact, you see a shepherd with it's their flock of sheep all the time. The average sheep in America is a part of a flock for about five to six years, and then they haul them off and make lamb chops out of them. In the Middle East, the, the shepherd is not interested in eating the sheep. And, and the, the, in the Middle East, a sheep can live up to 12, to, by the way, the lifespan of a sheep is tw- 10 to 12 years, and it would spend in the East now, in the Middle East, Sheep would spend their whole life with their shepherd. So you can imagine the relationship that this shepherd has with his sheep. That's why he calls him by names, calls him by maybe names, or they even develop their own special language. Look at this passage in John 10 up here on the screen. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Why? Because we spend lots and lots of time together. And I don't, I'm not interested in sending them off to market. No, I want to, I want to walk with these sheep and I'll spend time guiding these sheep and protecting these sheep and feeding these sheep, healing these sheep. And it, and it's, and it's this shepherd, the way of the shepherd that the hearers hear when Jesus says, this is what I want to do in your life. You know, I want, I want to, I want, uh, I, I want to speak to you and I've even got a unique name and a unique language which shepherds had with sheep in the Middle East. It's their own quirky, weird language that only the sheep in the flock understand. It's like a, I don't know, like Creole in, in New Orleans. It's like, I don't know, I can't make sense of how, half the time what they're saying. But a sheep knows his shepherd's voice, understands what he's saying, and the shepherd is so close, he gives each of them unique names. And, and some of the names are based on what they look like or a particular mannerism. I grew up on a farm of pigs. We had names for all the pigs. There was Gladys, Elmer, Spot. This was a New Hampshire with a white belt that had a about a four-inch spot right on the side of the belt, like a badge. And then we had a, another, uh, see, we called him Gentleman Hog. He was our registered boar. I mean, he was a gentleman with the ladies because he was registered. The rest of the boars, well, you know, they're crazy. And so we had names for all these. We had names for, we had three calves we raised. There was Gringo, Papino, and Maria. And we butchered all three of them. One time my brother and I were eating hamburgers at a picnic, and he goes, Papino? And I go, no, I think it's Gringo. And then my older brother go, no, 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 Maria. And you know, you've got, you can name your dog, you name your cats. I've got two cats right now. We, you know, we lost Sandy a couple years ago. That was a sad day. I didn't think I'd cry over a dog again, but I blubbered like I was 12. 
And then we have Smokey and NJ, named after Denise's mother, because NJ, Norma Jean, that's Denise's mother's name, Norma Jean Doty, NJ we got from Bone Gap out of the barn in 2013. So she's been with us that long, the same year that uh, that uh, Nora passed away. So you have, you, so why do we have these names? Because we get attached to those. You know, somebody's neighbor, you know, they got a dog. Hey, tell that dog to quit barking. We don't know the name of that dog. You know, the neighbor goes, Troutfaz, stop it. Stop barking. You really call a dog Troutfaz? Yeah. So these shepherds had this unique name, but they also had, that, like I say, this incredible language. They, they would speak in a certain way where only that sheep could understand it and, and recognize it. So when shepherds would come together, maybe, and their, their flocks would mix together, a shepherd only had to call out a certain, he spoke a certain language, and all the sheep would, their ears would, and they would follow the shepherd. And nobody had to sort them out. No dog, no gates, no shoots, nothing like that. It's also true that even in order to guide and guard these sheep, that a shepherd would risk his life. There are accounts, even today, where bandits and marauders will attack a sheep herder to steal some of their sheep, and they find amongst the flock the dead shepherd that put up the best fight he could. So with that in mind, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. This is how I operate. This is, this is why, uh, how I shepherd you. And I want to give you five ways this morning. There's lots of them, but I'm going to give you only five. Five ways that the good shepherd works in your life and wants to work in your life. Number one, the good shepherd will lead me in the right direction. That's one thing you could count on. When, when uh, David wrote the 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 most popular psalm of all, Psalms 23, here's what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. First he says, I got everything I need. He provides. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I got a lot of peace there. He leads me beside quiet waters. Very safe. He refreshes my soul. You ever, If I ever sick, uh, he heals and refreshes me. And then he says, he guides me along the right paths. One of the things about shepherds I think is cool is, is they know a lot more about life than sheep. Duh. Right? And they know where to go. They know where the good grass is. They know where the fresh water is. And so they know the best way. And just like the good, uh, like a shepherd, Jesus Christ knows the best way in life. He knows so much more than you and I. Notice this passage here. It says, he brings all of his sheep out. Jesus is talking here about being a good shepherd. Then he goes ahead of them. If you want to circle that, he goes ahead of them and leads them. They follow him because of his voice. So what's his shepherd doing? Well, in order to lead in the right direction, he walks ahead of us. I remember Alan reminded me to tell this story. And I, Jim McGuigan tells it much better in his Irish bloke. And he said one time there was this guy, he was doing a, a guided tour in the Middle East, and they're on a bus, and they're going through the hills, and he sees some sheep, so he starts talking about what it's like, the shepherd and the sheep, the special relationship between the two, and how they know their name and the special voice, and you know they come, and they come running to him, and how wonderful it is, and he's always walking ahead of the sheep, and they just follow along, you know, those innocent lambs and stuff, and they're, as they break the hill, they see this 
herd of sheep crossing this flock crossing the road, and this guy behind him just whipping them and whipping them and kicking them, you know, and throwing them over the road. And and the, the, the tour guide says, "Stop the bus! Stop the bus!" I go, "What is this?" And he walks out. He goes, "What are you doing, buddy?" I just explained to these people how sheep are and how they, you know, they follow the shepherd and the shepherd's walk. You're kicking them and whooping them. You're ruining the whole tour. He said, Mister, you must be confused. I am not the shepherd. I am the butcher. There's a big difference, big difference between the shepherd and the butcher. Would you agree? And this good shepherd, listen, church, folks, Jesus is not interested in pushing you. You are not cattle to be driven. No, you are You are sheep to be led. And he walks out in front of you and says, come follow me. Doesn't pressure, doesn't drive, he'll only lead. Isaiah 40, 11, the Lord takes care of his people like a shepherd. He gathers the people like lambs in his arms. He carries them close to him. He gently leads the mothers of the lambs. I, the picture you have is, you know, here's these, here, and some translations say mothers about to give birth. You know, the, there's these, some of these ewes are just ready to pop, you know, and they can barely walk. And the shepherd doesn't say, let's go, let's go. No, he waits patiently and, and just at their pace. I've, I've driven livestock before. I've used everything from an electrode, electric electrode, to a two-by-four, to a whip. And let me tell you, it's more difficult to drive animals, okay? It might get there quicker, but it's so difficult. It takes patience to lead them. It takes patience to let them go at their pace. And that's what I notice in this passage, that, that when the good shepherd is leading in our lives, he leads us in the right direction, but he does it gently. He doesn't force, he doesn't push. And he walks ahead of you. He walks ahead of you and beckons you to come. Look at this in Psalms 26. David said this, Your constant love is my guide. Your faithfulness always leads me. See, the the good shepherd is interested in leading you by his love, not by a lot of laws, but by love. I do do think that if he's going to lead us, though, we have to listen to him. We really need to listen. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that we need to listen for his voice. I'm learning, I've been learning in the last several years, how good of a Bible student am I? I mean, there's canned, there's canned ideas and concepts that, that seem so attractive in the American culture. And then you come to the Bible and it kind of, it, it challenges those, those cultures. Those, those, uh, expectations in Christianity in America. And you've got to be a good Bible student. I've learned this. Whenever I get away from the Bible and I get away from the Lord's voice, I get into trouble. Just like a sheep gets away from the voice of its shepherd, gets into mischief, well, gets into trouble, into danger. And I want to, I just want to encourage you this morning. If He's going to guide you, if you're going to say, the Lord is my shepherd, Tim, and, you're, and he wants to guide you, you must pay attention to his voice because there's so many other voices. Would you agree? Lots of other voices. There's the media. There's popular ideas. There's popular trends. There's the inner voice that we have. And sometimes we've got to listen to that voice 
from the shepherd. We have to listen to it the most if we really want to know, if we really want him to guide us and we want to get the most out of life. So that's that's the first thing I notice is not only will the good shepherd guide me and he'll guide you and I, the good shepherd wants to guard you. He will he will guard me. David spent a lot of time as a shepherd, especially as a child. If you study First Samuel, you find they find him tending sheep, and so he lived this shepherd's life. And um, and he's familiar. He's familiar then with this life. And one of the things that good shepherds do is they walk ahead, and they also walk through. The, cra- the crags and the cliffs and the crevices in the mountain range looking for anything dangerous, anything that could harm their sheep. And why? Because they want to protect them. You know, Psalms 23, look at this passage as he, as he goes on in Psalms 23. David continues to write about the Lord being his shepherd. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and staff make me feel secure. He's thinking from the viewpoint of a sheep, and he's looking at what he, he's looking at uh, the, the things that he that he takes with him as a shepherd. You know, a shepherd would carry a belt with a little bag of maybe some things and maybe some stones, a sling and a stone. David was familiar with using that, but he also he also carried with him a thing called a rod and a staff, and he understood what those were for. A rod and staffs are totally different. A rod is a club. It's a it's a piece of wood about about three foot two feet long with a big knobby knob on the end of it, and he used that to, to clobber things. Okay, to club wolves and bears. In fact, in First Samuel 17, David talks about what he, before he goes to, into it with uh, Goliath. He says, "I've already handled a lion and a bear, and this Philistine will be no different." So he's he's got experience with this rod. And it beats the brains out of anything that gets close to it. You know, today in the Middle East, uh, the lion, or it was like a mountain lion, are no longer there. But in David's day, they were everywhere. So were the wolves. And so what's David do? He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not only is it a club, but he has this staff. And this staff is, it's, it, we've seen uh, shepherd's hooks that we hang plants from. And you you stick them in the ground, hang a hanging plant, and this is the same thing. We all know it's a rod with a hook on the end. It was used to to hook a, a sheep if it got caught in something, or if it was about to go off a cliff. It was used to predominantly save uh, the life of the sheep. And David used, would use this rod and this staff many times. And one of the things I notice is about a good shepherd is, is that these guys never backed down when they faced lions and bears because they had weapons. Look at what Jesus says here in John 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. This morning, it's important for us to realize Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, cares so much for you and I, he's going to guard and protect you. He's going to guard and protect you. In fact, look what the Bible says here. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. What's that about? 
But he's saying this in John 10, verse 7, I'm the gate for the sheep. Some translations say the door. And what he's talking about is, and if you're familiar with this, some of you may not, at night when a shepherd wanted to put his sheep in a protective place, he'd find maybe a cove area or some place where it had, maybe the mountain was behind them and there was rocks and there was this little opening that only he and the sheep could get, get through. And he'd, he would lead his sheep inside and then he would sleep kind of crossways like a, like a, a parent would and with a mischievous child. Basically saying, you know, nobody's getting in and nobody's getting out without me knowing. In fact, he, Jesus is saying, I'm that gate, I'm that door. You gotta come through me to get out. You gotta come through me to come in. And I'm not backing down. He's like a steel door. That's how much he wants to guard you and I. How much he'll, what links he'll go to protect you and I. He'll block your path to get your attention. Number three, the good shepherd heals my hurts. As a shepherd looks after the scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. It says this in Ezekiel 34. And look what it says here. I will bind up their in, uh, the injured and strengthen the weak. You know, shepherds care about the condition of their sheep. And so they're always looking. They're always uh, examining their sheep. A lot of times what a shepherd would do is he'd take that staff and he would put it maybe in the opening and he'd put it low enough to where the sheep, as they're coming, they would they would have to slow down to go under it. And when they would slow down, he would grab the sheep and he would examine its eyes, its ears, its nose, seeing if there's any damage. And if there was... Like a vet, veterinarian, he had to take care of them, and he would he would heal and bandage their wounds. Look what the Bible says here in Matthew nine. Here's what here's how Jesus felt about the sheep. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. I was brought to my attention this week. I was listening to someone. He talked about there's let's see there's Sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And we all can, we all experience sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Is there a difference? Yes, there is. Sympathy basically says, oh, I feel sorry for you, or I, or I basically feel sorry that you're hurting. Empathy, now empathy's a little stronger. Empathy says things like, you know, I suffer with you, I feel your pain, I suffer, I'm gonna suffer with you. But compassion, oh, Compassion is so much better because compassion says, I hurt so much for you, I'm going to do something about it. And praise God, the good shepherd does something about our our hurts. Amen? He will do something about that. And so when I bring Jesus my hurts, when I when I bring him the things that the, the, that I suffer from, he will tend to them. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're hurting somewhere, bring it to the good shepherd and he will give you He'll give you the prescription and the care. Uh, some of you know my mother had a stroke last Saturday. And we're getting ready to move her up here uh, next week. And she, I call her up during the um, during a soccer game. I send her some videos. And so I decide to call her. She's at two, hour, two hours uh, earlier than me. And so it's like 9 o'clock. So here it is. You know, 7 a.m. And I'm going, oh, I wonder if mom will answer the phone. So I call her up and she goes... 
Hey, Tim, what's up? And I said, well, I, did you get those videos? Yeah, I did. And after a little chit chat, how are you feeling? Well, I'm not feeling too good. What do you mean, Mom? Well, I got a little tingling feeling in my left leg and my left arm. I said, Mom, hang up on me. Call an ambulance right now. Call a friend. Get to the hospital as soon as you can. Well, I'm feeling okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, Mom, get going. And you call me back. Call me back now when you find out something, okay? Okay, dear. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. My phone rings. Hey, Mom, how's it going? Well, I'm at the ER. What's going on? Well, they think I had a mini-stroke. A mini-stroke, yeah. And they're going to—they're doing tests. Don't worry. Well, I, maybe I should come down. No, there's no point in you coming down. I'm going to be okay. i got lots of people down here to help me. And you just, you know, but you come get my stuff. This isn't changing the plans. You come get my stuff. I said, okay, Mom. Then she says, you know, I have a, a do not resuscitate. I go, Mom, do we have to talk about this now? I don't want to talk about this. I mean, I have this image. You know, I told her one time, I said, don't tell me you got a DNR. Why? Because I'll put my foot against the wall and start yanking on the plug as fast as I can. She goes, you're all heart, son. You're all heart. That's true. But no, I, I, she's telling me this. I thought, Mom, let's not. Well, you know, you never know. You never know. And I said, well, you're sure. You never know. Okay. She's 90. I get it. So she says, they're going to work on me for a while. And they do. And then I'm talking to her twice a, twice, a, twice a day. I'm calling her. And then finally she says, well, they're going to move me to Tucson to a, to a place to rehabilitate me. Okay. And I'm going, all right. So uh, what's that going to mean? Well, I hear they're going to work me in the ground. They are, yeah, but that's but that's going to get me better. But they're going to work me in the ground, Tim. I said, "Well, call me when that happens." Well, then she finally calls me. Well, I'm finally here, and oh my goodness, they got me out, and they worked me, and they worked me, and they worked me, and I'm I'm like I I can hardly move, and I'm going, "Oh man, mom, you gonna be okay?" Yeah, they're being. Listen, here's what she says: They're being very good to me, mom. They just put you to the ringer. They just make you do a bunch of stuff. Are you, she goes, can you, I said, can you get up and walk around? Well, not really. And then I listened to this person say, okay, Riddell, we're going to get you out of bed. Now move that leg. It's really hard to move. She didn't have a mini stroke, folks. She did not have a mini stroke. And so she's going, okay. And I hear her, and she doesn't know the phone. I'm listening like, you know, nosy neighbor to everything that's going on in there. Finally sits down. Are you still on the phone? Yeah, I am. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. They're taking great care of me. But man, they work you hard. And you know, and I'm listening to the workers and they're so nice to her. And they, she said, we've got this system, Tim. They got this system. If I hit the light, you can't, everybody on staff is not supposed to pass that door if they go by that door. They're to stop what they're doing and go in there. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because sometimes to get healed, by the good shepherd, you got to go through the ringer. Son, he's going to push you to the limit. Push you to do things. Not, you say push. You said, okay, lead you to do things. How's that? Come on. How's that? Lead you to do things that are uncomfortable, but they're best for you. I know some of us here, and you know maybe know someone that's been hurt, and they're kind of just done because they're hurt. The good shepherd wants to help them. Wants to help you and wants to help them. But it's going to be a serious road to recovery. It's going to take you 
listening to the shepherd, running to the shepherd, staying close to the shepherd, letting him touch places, letting him touch places in your life that you've let no one know, to let him look at you and examine you and supply the healing only Jesus can supply. Number four, the good shepherd will bring me back. That's one thing you can count on, the good shepherd. He'll bring you back. You know, shepherds are prone to lose sheep. They're losing them all the time because sheep wander off. They, do they mean to? No, they just do. They're like a two-year-old. They get caught up in something and where, where, where is, where's Mabry? Where's Ross? Where, where's Nora? You know, I remember, I remember one time I said, where's Matt? I'd lost track of him. I call up Denise. I go, Denise, have you got Matt? I'm on my way home. She's on her way home. No, he's supposed to be with you. Huh? I go back to church and everybody's still bustling around. I look and there's Matt talking to somebody, just yucking it up. Go, Matt, what? Come on. Oh, okay. Are we leaving now? (laughs) For the second time? Yeah. But isn't that the way it is with us as parents? I mean, if we lose a child, I mean... Listen, my heart goes out when someone else loses a child. I mean, you, you're, you're, you get your your heart race races and you may get some blood pressure. But I know what it's like, and some of you know what it's like when you lose track of a child at a playground or an event. It's freaky. Well, the good the good shepherd is worried when when you wander off. See, we wander off too. Occasionally, every one of us is going to wander off. You say, well, you never wander off. You want to bet. I'll, I'll get to where I'm not listening to Jesus. I'm not listening to the Lord. And I wander off into something. And I, and I, like anybody else, to get back, I need to start listening again. But what I can count on and what you can count on, whenever you wander off, the shepherd is going to be looking for you. I don't know. What did, you do, what did you do, parents, when you finally find your child that's been lost? Not what you want to do. Right? Because what you want to do is, yeah, yeah, you know, just shake them. How many times have I told you not to do this? No, you, you hug them and go, oh, God, I'm so glad I found you because I was worried sick over you. Look what it says in Isaiah 53. Isaiah talking about Jesus in the middle of this. He says, we have all wandered away like sheep. Each has gone his own way. And let's be honest, folks. We wander away. And maybe it's happened during COVID. We've wandered away. We've gotten away from habits. We've gotten away from, we've gotten away from serving. We've gotten away from connecting. I gotta tell you, man, I was sitting here, you know, we got the, got the camera just right, PowerPoint in the background. I'm looking at the camera. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you today. You know, you don't even know if I'm in, I'm in underwear. You can't see me. All you can see is, stop picturing me in underwear. Eyes up here. Okay. So, but I'm like, hi, everybody. It's good to see you. I've got my Bible open. I've maybe got a little flower somewhere. And then we work on some, and I remember the first week, and I'm going, good to see you on. And I go, let's pray, and we pray. And then I look up, and they, and they go, Tim, you, you looked up too quick, huh? You looked up too quick. Okay. 
So then the next Sunday, I come in, hi everybody, and you know, da 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 da, and I and I'll keep it. We'll tell you when to, we'll tell you when to, at the closing prayer, when to lift your head up. Okay. And I go, eh. Don't. Okay. And then Alan jumps aboard. We got cameras and we've got lights and he's, and this time the camera, have you noticed, it's right in my face now. I mean, it's scary. And I'm looking at the camera this far away. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you and everything. And then, uh, and then it's cut print. And I go, get in my car. Don't have to hug anybody. Don't have to talk to anybody. Don't have to act like I like you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's be honest. Am I right? Oh, Tim, hi! God never waves at me. He preaches forever. I'm telling you, man, it's Saturday. We're doing it Saturday. I'm going to get to watch Meet the Press live. You're not missing anything. But anyway... But I just remember those days, and I remember how simple it was. I could just talk, and then I'd walk, and then I would go in a car and drive home. And man, this 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 is starting to look up. I kind of like this. It scared me. It scared me. You know, what do you want to do the taping, Tim? Well, I want to do it in the church building. We could do it at your house. We could do it at my house. We could do it. We could do it at Applebee's. We could do it at the airliner across the street. No, I want to do it here. Why? Because this is where I feel most comfortable. But I got to tell you, I started feeling comfortable because there was no one else here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, next thing you know, it's not just that slipping. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're going to try to get together. Oh, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, we're all going to die. And I understand. Well, let's try wearing some masks. Let's try working this out. We need to get together. We set, we remember the seats with, can you, isn't it nice to be able to say, remember when the chairs were all separated and everybody was like, you know, no hugging, elbowing. You go to a soccer game and they line up instead of saying good game, good game. Good game, good game. They're going, I hated that. Changed everything. My grandson wore a mask for two years. That's all he knows. When they brought him home was the day Pritzker shut it down. COVID do that to you? Get away from the Bible? Boy, I got to do some binge watching. They probably weren't podcasts, were they? I got to watch Breaking Bad. I got to watch all my favorite. I mean, I watched until I was just bored to tears. I I can't take us anymore. I loved, listen, there was things I loved about COVID. I'm in the auto glass business. We're putting in auto glass all over St. Louis. Traffic is almost non-existent. I could drive from point A to point B anytime I wanted and no crazy people out there. It was nice. But we get in these habits. We begin to wander. You know, church attendance across America has declined because of COVID. We, what we said around here is we think COVID ex- really exposed a lot of things, didn't it? It, it, we found out 
like Mike Napier once told me, you're going to find out who the pillars are of the church and who the pillows are of the church. We found out there was a lot of pillows. And, and what happens when we wander? We wander away from connection, communication, Bible study. We try Zoom. I hate Zoom. But we try it. Back at, and I notice as I'm wandering away from the things that I need, I'm wandering to something else. And maybe you have wandered, because we all, we all do. Well, I'm here, Tim. Yeah, but we, it doesn't, okay. But have you noticed maybe some COVID fog? You've, there's some habits and some attitudes and some, just all kinds of weird stuff. You're going, this is this the post-COVID era now? What do I do? Well, I got news for you. Whenever you wander away, the Lord is looking for you. Praise God. The good shepherd doesn't go, ah, it's all right. You know, you can't win them all. Hope he finds his way back. Sheep seldom find their way back. In fact, they end up being lamb, lamb chops. No, when, when I wander away, I find myself wandering to patterns and habits that resemble my old life. And maybe that's happened to you. Let me encourage you, if you've wandered off, to look for the good shepherd because he's not far behind. He will track you down. Yeah, and then he's going to punish me. No. Look, look here's, what, here's what Jesus says happens when a shepherd finds a, a good shepherd finds a lost sheep. This is up on the screen, Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Only one now. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Notice he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. God is a relentless hound on your trail. He is not, you can give up on him all you want. He ain't giving up till he finds you. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He doesn't gut it, cut its throat, kick it. He goes, oh my gosh, you're still alive. But maybe the, maybe the sheep is injured. It can't walk. He's putting it on his shoulders. It's hurt. But he'll take the hurt sheep. You wander off, you get hurt, right? I'll, t- I'll still put you on. I'll, I'll, here, I'll carry you. We're going to get you home. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes where? Home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I'm going to kill it. We're going to eat it. No. No, not at all. And then he says this. Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Jesus gets all excited about people that are lost. But I'm, I've been faithful and he don't care about what he don't rejoice. It doesn't say that, church. It says he rejoices more when someone is found. You ever been to a playoff game, you know, a cardinal playoff game? Or to a major college game, and everything's on the line. And I remember going one time with some friends, and uh, Jack Clark is up to bat, and there's only three three teams that are left in the 
playoffs and Cardinals happen to be one of them and we're standing up. It stand, everybody stands the whole game. Nobody wants to sit down. And I'm going, why is everybody cheering? I can't hear you. And all of a sudden, Jack the Ripper, pow, knocks it out. And everybody goes, ah. You know, and your eyes are, your ears are ringing. It's like it's even more cheering. Cheering's going on all the time for the faithful. All the time. And it's in the presence of the angels, we find out. It's God doing the cheering. You're faithful to God. He is so excited, so jacked because, of, because you're so faithful. But when you wander off and come back, Oh my goodness, he takes it up another notch. Isn't that how we should feel as a church when someone comes back to God? Isn't that how we should feel and be be ready to cheer if someone walks through our doors we haven't seen that's wandered off? Instead of shame, cheer should be coming from us. I don't know about you, but sometimes the way we respond... When people come back, might have an impact on how long they stay. Why, why do you get so excited, Lord, when someone comes back? Tim, they belong home. I want, they belong with their shepherd. Look at this passage, John 10. I have other sheep that are not of this flock here. What's he talking about? Oh, he's talking about the denominations. No, he's not. How do you know that, Tim? Well, there were no denominations back then, folks. He's not talking about denominations. He says he has sheep. He says, I have sheep that are not in this flock. Why aren't they in the flock? They're wandering around. And then he says, I must bring them also. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Gentiles. Of course he's talking about the Gentiles. They're his sheep too. People, ungodly people. Or, yeah. He wants them home. He wants them home. He says, I must bring them. They will listen to my voice. A lot of times we think people that are lost, people that are pagan, oh, they're not interested in listening to Jesus. I'll tell you what, if we would talk about Jesus and we, they could hear his voice, There'll be more than you realize that will listen to that voice. And there will be one flock, not denominations, one flock and one shepherd. They'll be where they belong. See, everybody is not where they belong. Greater Alton Church, we got to realize that. Not everybody we have contact with is where they belong. See, I think COVID has got us even more forgetful of that. We're around people all the time that need Jesus, that are lost. They've wandered off. They don't even know how to get back. Some of them not even aware they're lost. You know, sometimes sheep would get lost and they'd fall off a cliff. Can you imagine that? You'd think they'd have enough, you know, brain... To stop at the edge. No, they wander, fall right off. They didn't know they were that close. See, everyone's not where they belong. They've lost their way. Every one of those people is just as important as those at our home. 
to the good shepherd. I mean, this is why Jesus came in the first place, to seek and save the lost. And one time he said, I came to seek the lost sheep of Israel. So my question is, have you wandered away? Do you find yourself wandering away? I want you to know the good, the good uh, shepherd notices it doesn't get past him. He sees you're missing and he's worried and he's looking for you. He wants to bring you where you belong. So the, the good shepherd guides, he guards, he heals, he brings me back. And finally, the good shepherd will keep me safe. This is a very interesting thought. See, there's a lot of people out here. I don't know. I, how do I say it? A lot of Christians especially. You know, you're on a plane. And all of a sudden it goes into a nosedive. And you cuss. Oh, no. I'm not saved now. I said, oh, I'm not saved. Forgive me, Lord. Now I'm saved. And then you start thinking something bad. Oh, I'm not saved again. Forgive me, Lord. I'm saved. Oh, good. Honestly, it's just polished up Islam, to be quite honest. And that's not in the scripture. This idea I'm saved and not saved, saved and not saved, saved and not saved. Now, does the, does the Bible say once I'm saved, I'm, I'm always saved? There's always a possibility I could lose that salvation. Paul tells the Galatians, you've fallen from the grace of God. It's my, my view that it's very difficult to get out because the shepherd's at the door. Look at this. He says in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And look at this. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, once you put your life in God's care, once you put your life in God's hands, He's going to keep you. And nobody can take you away from him. But Tim, I could walk away. Well, yeah. Here's how I heard it. But God's got a pretty big hand. You know what I'm saying? You gotta really want out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the other day, do you ever say stuff you, you know you don't mean? Okay, well, my wife and I have been working on the ladies' retreat. And then we're working on her lesson, and I'm working on this lesson, and I'm working on the lesson I'm going to have when I come back, and I'm working on the men's retreat. I'm working on all kinds of stuff in my head. And so, and she, and I'm working on a funeral. I'm doing a graveside as well. And so I'm doing all at the same time, and she's going, I don't know if I understand. Well, what do I do? And I go, well, we'll do this and this and this. We're working every morning. We work so hard. We get the booklets made. The booklets look so good. Cassie did a, oh, got the graphics right. Nicole gets the booklets done just nice. I send them the things that's supposed to be in the booklet. Denise and I are looking at four different translations of Matthew 25, and I go, ooh, the ICB is the best. I clip, I grab it, I paste it, I send it to the office. They print it up, and then I give the book to Denise after it's all done on a night. You know, here it is Friday afternoon. She goes, that's the wrong passage. What? It's the wrong passage. You got the wrong translation. And I, I'm driving 
And I go, yeah! And I'm beating stuff and hitting stuff. I'm surprised I didn't run off the road and get killed. She goes, Tim, Tim, Tim. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not helping anymore. I can't take it anymore. And I hang up. And her, she's ringing, ring, 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 and I won't answer. I am so mad. I, you know, I'm seeing double. I'm just, I mean, I lost it. And and finally, I calm down. I'm with Don Yoder, and we're putting on some stuff on his truck. And Don has this calming effect on me. Imagine that. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) he calms me down. He calms me down. And so, so finally, I call her. She goes. Tim, look, it's okay. No, I'm now in my right frame of mind. I'm sorry. I had that crazy moment where I was ready to go home. And I was ready. I mean, not and not where we live. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said those stuff. You ever said stuff, done stuff you didn't mean, but you were emotionally just messed up at the time? You know, that's how your brain is. You know, when you're emotionally over the edge, you're not thinking logically. And sure enough, that's what is happening to me. And yet the good shepherd reminds me, oh, Tim, you don't really mean that. Do you? No, I don't, Lord. You didn't, you're just feeling this way. Yes, you're right, Lord. You're right, Lord. You're not unsaved for that little meltdown. My wife's laughing. We're laughing. I go, I'm sorry about the meltdown. She just starts laughing. Goes, oh, Tim, it was so silly. I wish I could record it. I'd have played it. I'm going, uh huh. No, that nothing can steal you from the good shepherd. I, it's, I heard it said this way. It's his job to keep you saved, not yours. Oh, I can do whatever I want. Is that what you're going to do? He'll use his rod and his staff if he has to, to keep you in the flock. He will fight off every wolf. He'll fight off every lion. And he might have to fight you. You see, one of the things about a shepherd I think is interesting is that sometimes in order to deal with a wandering sheep, he would, well, first he'd call out to them in their own unique name and language. And that sometimes worked. But if it didn't work, then he'd get his staff out and he'd kind of tap them or knock them in the side of the head. Hey, hey, hey. Get over here. And if that didn't work, sometimes he'd get his rod out, his club, and he'd throw it like a shot over the bow. <clears throat> What's that? One time I was cultivating some corn in a 30-acre field in our old farm. My dad put me in, said, I've got a four, four-row cultivator. I want you to cultivate the corn. No problem, Dad. I go turn that Ford track around, sink the cultivator in, and there I go. And all of a sudden, pow, right at the back of my head. I'm seeing stars. And I look back and Dad's like in a follow through like Dizzy Dean, you know. He's like, <laughs> you know. And and he's like, look what you're doing. I'm plowing under two rows of corn. I'm four rows planter and I'm off two rows. He has to get my attention. He'd been yelling, but I didn't hear him. I'm too busy just to drive and he got my attention. Sometimes the shepherd has to get our attention. And as a last resort, if that doesn't work, guess what he has to do? 
Sometimes he breaks your leg. Oh, that's cruel, Tim. You know, I, I, I read a little, a little book by uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman called The Way of the Shepherd. And he said, you know, a sheep, if they keep getting out of the pen, they become lamb chops. And I thought, wow, that's just, that's scary. And then it dawned on me as I studied this lesson today. It's not the shepherd that wants to make me lamb chops. It's a lion and the bear that's wanting to eat me for lunch. Because the shepherd loves me and loves you so much, if he has to, he'll send some pain our way to get our attention. He doesn't take me to the butcher. He wants to keep me all the days of my life. Look at this First Peter 2. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. What's he mean there? The one who guards? Yeah. He keeps me safe. He's at his post. Romans 8 simply says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Death. Life. Angels, demons, future, hype, death, nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. That's how difficult it is to get out of the shepherd's grip. You see, sometimes God may have to get your attention. And sometimes he speaks loudly, maybe in a lesson, maybe in a podcast, maybe in a little article you found, or maybe through another Christian that has to tell you something to jar you and wake you up. Has to say something harsh, something hard to you, but, but he's speaking to you because he's, and he's in that own unique language down deep inside you go, you know, I need to hear that. And if you don't listen, he's going to get more aggressive and he may have to hurt you. Yeah, he's going to get me. He's going to punish me. I heard Jim McGuigan say this years ago one time, God is not in the damning business. And by the way, think about this. If if God is punishing me for something that I've done that he's already paid for, he's pretty cruel God. So what is he doing, Tim? He's disciplining me. And what's the difference between punishment and discipline? Parents, you know the difference. You know the difference. There's punishment and then there's discipline. See, punishment has the past in view. Discipline has the future in view. And so God disciplines us. He's focused on our future. And so this morning you may be feeling lost. Or you may feel a little off track on something. Maybe you've lost your way. I, I want to ask you. I want to plead with you. Listen to his voice. Don't make him get aggressive with you. Listen to him the first time and listen before it's too late. David said this, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Now I closely follow your word. You are good. David, God is disciplining you. He's putting it on you. Yeah, and he's good, Tim. It's really good for me and because he only does good. And he says, oh, Lord, teach me more. Teach me your decrees. Are you listening to the shepherd's voice? How do I know? Well, are you a good Bible student? That's where it starts. And are you listening to him? Do you bring to him 
decisions and choices you make and say, Lord, help me with this. I'm listening for your direction, your guidance. Because a good shepherd wants to guide. He's calling you by name. I don't know about you, but when my mother would say, Timothy Harrison Gill. You ever said that to your your kids? Maybe not that name, but you know what I'm saying? You ever had that someone say that to you? Oh, when they use your name in a sentence, they want you to understand and hear it. And that good shepherd is, is calling you by name. Is he doing that? Is he trying to get your attention? Just remember, he loves you. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to heal you. He wants to keep you safe. There's a card in your bulletin. And if you'd like to respond to this lesson some way, we don't have an altar call here. We just simply say you can write something down. Write a choice down. Write a decision down. Maybe you're interested in something there that's got a little box beside it. Go ahead and check it. I just know this about the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd won't stop calling out. He'll never stop watching. He'll never stop guarding. He'll never stop guiding. And he'll never stop protecting and providing for you. And I know this about the Good Shepherd. He'll lay, he laid his life down for you and will lay it down again if he has to. We're going to give you a, some time to fill these cards out. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song and then we'll let you, you can take those cards and put them in the baskets at the table if you like. And those tables back there along with, if you're a member here, you know, your contribution can go there as well. And if you're a guest, we're not asking you to give anything. But if you want to, that's up to you. We did, we're not, we, you know, we're glad you're here. We're not one to get something from you. We want to give something to you this morning. We hope that's possible. Let's pray. Father, what a good shepherd you are. And we, here we are as your people. As your people, Father, we ask you to be. We ask you to show us, guide us. Father, help us be good sheep. Help us follow you. Help us hear your voice right now. Father, I know some of us here, we've wandered off. And you want us home. Help us as a church be a place that's a home for those that wander. But Father, if anybody here has wandered away, let them know they can come back to you. You've been watching. You've been guiding. you And you're wanting them to be in the flock. Lord, we think of people that have wandered away, people that are lost all around us. Father, give us an edge. Give us a, give us a conviction once more. Father, I know there's some people here. They've wandered off or they've gotten hurt. We've been hurt. Everybody's gotten hurt in some way. And with the political climate, with the, the way the culture is right now and you know, there's been so many hurtful things said to one another. There's been so many hurtful things done. So many things not done with each other. Lord, we pray you'll heal. That we don't use the hurt to keep us away from you and your people. But we'll, because we're hurt, we'll come to you. And we'll come to your people so you can heal. Lord, I pray. There's someone here, Father. I know someone here 
who's at the end of their rope, would you give them hope today to know that you care so much that when when they pass by you, you see their condition and you, you and you're not you don't just hurt for them or with them, but you have great compassion. You want to do something. Oh, begin to do that, Father. We ask that th- that you do that through your Spirit, through your Word, through other Christians, and provide healing for those that are hurting here this morning. Father, take care of my mom. And just take care of her, Father. You'll be praised. She's sharing her faith in that place. It's awesome to see and awesome to hear about. But Father, we pray you'll you'll help her get so much better. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.